14 podcast powered by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bet local. We are here with a very special guest. Special the guest. first ever in-person podcast interview we have ever done. We have ever done in the history of Gate 14, and it's a doozy. It's a special one. We're joined by MLB.com's Keegan Matheson. What's up, Keegan? I like it. First ever. Who do I join as repeat guests to? Who's on this tier? Uh, Danny Jansen. Uh, who else? Not uh, Tyler David Hunter. Schneider. David Schneider. Right. Cool Chris Bassett. Chris ba- no, Chris Bassett's twice. Okay, yeah. David, uh, Ernie, wow. Ernie Clement once. Once. Yeah, but we'll, uh, we'll get some of those guys back on. So, but, <laughs> but we, this is a special group, though. <laughs> so we, we, had to, we had to pop the cherry with Keegan Matheson, man. It. So how's it. it going, man? I mean, obviously you're here. Yeah. Uh, we, we see the tweets. You're, you're here for like 100 days, I'm assuming. I so uh, I'm assuming it's a little bit miserable. Yeah, which is hard to get sympathy for. You know, um, it, it's hard to complain about being in Florida in February. I don't think anyone feels for me, but it's a lot of uh, – I've learned how to do, do, do spring training better. You know, I, I think the mistake I made when I was younger – what's this year, like seven or eight for me, is I would come down and I would try to live my life the same way, but just wake up earlier. (laughs) What I've learned, it's all about routines is the word uh, of the spring, apparently. And what I've learned is that I moved up the window. You know, that four to seven window, that's the drinking window now. Okay. That's when you you get it. Maybe I wake up at 3 a.m. with a headache, but my God, by eight, I'm doing great. So I've gotten rid of the the 2 a.m., 3 a.m., Best shape of my life. Yep. I was just about uh, to ask stocked you that. Up. I was just about to ask <laughs> you, know? you that. I didn't have a lick of fun this offseason. It sucked. But, uh, man, back at it. And it's a, it's a long time here, but you got to stock it up. you got to treat the room like you're living there. Stock it up. I did my target run day one. you got to respect it. And it's uh, it's been good. It's day 20-something. I don't know. we got to talk about how they treat you, like the PJ Tour, the pants. <laughs> Dude, can can you go shorts? Because that's crazy like we need, a, right. we need a live golf for uh baseball writers where yes, it's like so we two, come in with shorts oh, I, I would love that. <laughs> so two thoughts on it number one i look terrible in shorts okay you know i i i am a long torsoed short legged guy and i'm also a bigger built guy yeah so if i go shorts it's like a dh going with the knee pants <laughs> like it just makes you look a little rounder but i try to stay away from it but i've also let me tell you what Free plug for Lululemon, who surely needs it. Yeah, yeah they small, a, small company. Small never, com- it's a local company. I had <laughs> discovered those like ABC pants this year. Really? Because I'm cheap. Yeah. I'm not going to spend more than two dollars on you know a pair of clothing. I finally went in on it and met like the addition of flexibility to men's clothing. <laughs> what a moment! We were behind in it, but uh, this is a new life. So I go pants all spring. It sucks. Yeah. I'm dripping. The early days of camp were pretty good. I didn't even get made fun of by a player for like a whole week. But uh, who, was today, the fir- who was the first one to make fun of you? Who was the, it's always the catchers, man. It's always Schneids, too, because Schneids knows how much I struggle in this. <laughs> so I've got some glisten now. They were, uh, they were having a good time with me. There's always the, the jokes about me swimming over to the stadium in the morning. And, uh, but it, it's tough. It's a grind right now, and I, I just got to give up. You know, I don't look good the rest of the year, especially when I'm doing TV here in Florida. Like, they're trying to get me out in the middle of the sun. It's a, it's a bit of a disaster, but... Uh, you know, being slightly less fat helps. Doesn't make it. You better. look good. You look great. You look great. How, tell the people how many how, how much weight did you lose? Forty five. Holy forty five. Holy shit! I was three twenty five the end of last year, man. Two eighty now. It's you know, I, I probably carry a little more than it looks, but uh, yeah, I got on the Ryu diet. I remember yeah. Ryu came back last year and he said he cut out late eating, and I said bullshit. That would never work. Uh, and then I remember last year, I, I tweeted about it, but last year, me and BNS were covering a series in Colorado. Game ends, let's say like 425. I had to be on the radio. I 
I forget if I was doing MLB Network or 590. I had to be on the radio at like 4.30. And the elevator was caught up with like freight. There was some dude bringing beer up. So I take the stairs like a hero. <laughs> I get upstairs and I'm standing in the back lunchroom in the press box in Colorado, which by the way, top three city. I'm standing in the press box just going, <sighs> just trying to catch my breath, trying to be cool for the radio. I get on the air. I'm rushing through sentences. I'm making a mess of it. I thought, you know what? This is a disaster. Yeah. Like, I'm a baseball writer, and my fitness is getting in the way of my job. How is this possible? So, yeah, I, you know, I, I talked to, to Ryu again. He convinced me to get away from it. I had to do that, uh, you know, cutting off eating at a certain time. I love what's, what's having, your, what's you What's your know, time? Oh, man, I did noon to seven through the year. That's done now. But I got to avoid the late game meal, man, like after the game. Yeah. And because, you know, on an off day, I love having a bottle of wine and eating an entire pizza. <laughs> yeah. Let's be very direct about this. When I am in Canada and not Florida, you can do the math there. Sometimes I'm hungry after dark. Certain things are, are more available in Canada. I get snackish. <laughs> it's been tough. So it, it, was a, it was a rough winter. I'd be after 7 o'clock. I realized it was just having something to do with my hands. Yeah. Right, so I turned into that just disaster, just mucking six diet cokes. You get into the zins. Get into the zins. Man, I see those all the time now. Like, I I feel like I'm tense and sweaty enough at all times. That's fair. That might be the play, but it's. I mean, I see them. The gas stations down here. I stopped at Wawa this morning. Big big stack of zins back there. It's a carnival. Little hoagie today. It'll get you a little bit closer with the players. I feel. I mean, Jano (laughs) loves them. Gospin loves them. Bassett loves them. If you bump up, just walk through the, the the clubhouse, packing zins. Yeah, I mean, I see it happen twenty times a morning. It's, it's incredible. That's the only reason why I want to go in the <laughs> locker room is to kind of see who's uh, who's ripping zins. But speaking about Ryu, obviously Ryu not being there this spring training, massive clubhouse guy. Everyone loves him. Bassett obviously talks about how uh, great of a dude he was. Same with Jano. How, is it a little bit weirder not seeing Ryu in that locker room? I mean, he is just absolutely electric, dude. He would walk in each morning with his interpreter, JS. I believe I'm getting that right. And he would be carrying two of those, what are they called, Trenty, like the biggest Starbucks drink, of jet black. I, I guess it was coffee. Maybe it was an Americano. Uh, iced. And he would just saunter in. And he had this, like, wide, you know, bow-legged caps the size of watermelons. And he would just saunter through. Like, he knew he was good. He was low-key the funniest dude in the clubhouse. Huge personality we never really got to see. But, man, the, just the saunter. Like DH style saunter, guys loved him. I hope he puts up like a point two ERA, uh, you know, back home in Korea for years and years. But I thought he'd get a deal. I really did, and maybe he had those offers. Frankly, I thought the Blue Jays would even look at bringing him back if he was healthy and feeling good. But I loved Ryu, man. He was fun to cover. So he's a pitching depth guy that you'd say he you could bring back. But yeah. now all of the pitching depth that the Blue Jays had as starting pitching is hurt. Is there? Yeah. What is the team, um, like how are they formed around that? And is there a move to be made still maybe? Or it's just getting those guys healthy? Because they, like, they talk yeah. about it. It's the first time in a while they've had actual good starting pitching depth. Yeah. It hasn't been good enough for the last two years. Like remember two years ago, Ryu went down. Ross Stripling saved their ass. Yeah. yeah. That's not going to happen every year. No. Most years, like pick a random year. Go back to 2017. I don't know. There's probably 10 guys that I covered that team that I don't remember. Even if I see their name, I will not be convinced they exist. Because that's how a season goes. You use 12 starters. Last year, plan A, after a guy went down, was Bowden Francis 
and Trevor Richards. Like, that's not how it should work, yeah. right? They did it admirably. Shout out to them. That's not how it should work. Right now, I think uh, Bowden Francis, I think, and I, I watched the Bassett interview, and he put a lot of praise on him. Like, he oh. loves Francis, and he should. Francis is A, really good. B, he's really cool. Like, Bowden Francis is what's the right way to say this? He's the most individual person on the team, I feel yes. like. You know? Like, you've got the hair, you've got the Grateful Dead shirt, you've got the vintage hat and the mustache, the sage burning, the meditation. Like, he is such an interesting dude. But very underrated. I think if you put him in a legitimate rotation spot, he is – he's a starter on a lot of teams yeah. For in sure. this league, period. Beyond that, you've got Ricky T. Maybe he is God this year. Maybe we don't see him. I don't know. It's the – State of a prospect. And you look at Mitch White, I think he's better in a bulk role. Chad Dallas is kind of the dark horse in all of this. I think he's a really – like, he's the guy the Blue Jays needed to develop more of. Yeah. They tried to with Hatch and Kay and Zoik and Waggis Pack and all these guys. Never quite stuck. And then Yariel Rodriguez, maybe my midseason. We'll see. But I like Bowden Francis a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. If I could buy a stock in a baseball player, Bowden Francis, hell yeah. What do you think about all the Jays, like, getting all the tread – coaches and all the driveline guys have you seen a difference in camp with um how they are <laughs> there's just more people i don't know yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's this year in the blue jays clubhouse there are some ring binders with faces and like and you know vladdy's in there like stuff like that but there's also the performance staff and this every day i'm in there trying to figure out who people are and every one of these titles has 10 more syllables to it and all the power to them get that but uh it's definitely and, and they've I've noticed started sending more players to these things in the offseason yeah. to a place like Tread or like Driveline. We always talk about it with pitchers. I'm hearing more about position players too, yeah, like right. swing analysis stuff, prospects. Ty, Ty France was doing that. Totally. He's the big one. Yeah. A lot of prospects, like guys who they trust are really smart and want more, they'll send to that type of place, which I like. And I think anytime you're bringing in external people and trying to get away from groupthink is good. You know, it, it kind of gets to the, the point of all this. Man, communication, transparency, blah, 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 of the offseason. It's any time that you're kind of clearing things up, bringing in new ideas, great. Yeah. Making it a little less mysterious. You know, the closer it gets to the point where I can understand what's happening, cool. Yeah. I think that's a, a good thing because it's uh, important to make these players understand what's going on. Well, you mentioned uh, Ricky T was throwing today. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I mean, a guy just – it sucks. Just the injuries, obviously, have plagued him his entire career. through 62 innings last year. This year comes into camp throwing like 97, has to take a couple days off or a couple weeks off because of his injuries. How did he look? I mean, he is, he is electric. Dude, the first time I saw Ricky, it was like – I tweeted like legitimate double take, like cartoon-ass double take when he walked by. He's – you know that scene in – in Batman, when Bane, like, you see that shot of his back, yeah. and it's, like, a mile wide. That's what he looks like. Yeah. It's crazy. And, you know, I remember talking to Ricky that first time. He said it's 19 pounds of muscle he's put on. Holy shit. You know, like year to year. Now, right? Yeah, year to year. And uh, I didn't make that tweet clear enough. So a bunch of, you know, dumbasses who go to GNC told me that's impossible, which, you know, I know that. I know It's over a year. <laughs> over a year. 365 days. But – He's learned that he kind of drops 10 pounds through the season, which, you know, must be nice. <laughs> but so he's starting at 240, maybe you get to 230. He's huge. Yeah. And even today in the, the media room, me and BNS, we were looking up some, uh, some player measurements, and Ricky was listed at 6'4". And we were kind of talking, like, is Ricky really a 6'4 guy? Like, he, he wasn't that built that big last year. 
Then we got to the scrum. I'm 6'2". This guy is, like, up here on me. He's huge. He's still growing. He's huge. Like, he is. Like, I really think he is. Like, he is just growing in a way that other human beings don't. Like, he's one of those rare people. And if he can stay healthy and figure this out, like, it's a prospect. I don't know. All of this stuff I've said, you can replace the name Nate Pearson a hundred times. But if he stays healthy, he is as talented a pitching prospect as there is in baseball. And also, I think he's cool as shit. Yeah. Like, I think he is a marketing dream for the Blue Jays. There's the mustache. There's the, you know, it, it used to be the long curls. I don't know what to call it now. But yeah. there is some swagger to it. The hand the, tattoos. That, the tattoo that goes right onto the back of the left hand. He throws 99 from the left side. Yeah, it's going to be a high strikeout electric pitcher. Like, this is, again, like a guy. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But the ceiling is ridiculous. Yeah. On this guy. And, and today he looked amazing. He got IKF looking Ugh. and then got Varsho. I tweeted that video. He got Varsho on a slider that almost made me flinch, man. I was behind <laughs> a cage. It was nuts. <laughs> uh, the big thing, Blue Jays Twitter, is the offseason and how much really people <laughs> have hated the Ross Atkins move. Shotguns. Yeah, I didn't have to shotguns. do much work this offseason. No, I had exactly. a very quiet. They you know, call him shotguns. There was a lot shotguns. of those things happening. For you, looking at the team, do you think – it's more the second tier of free agents, like the Solaires, the Chapmans. Do you think it was them not wanting to spend or them actually being smarter, looking into some of the advanced things that, hey, three-year deal here, it's not going to look the same as it is this year? How do, you, how do you think the front office went about it? I think they got out really quick on Kiner Falefa, and that reminds me of, go way back and way different players, but Kendris Morales, yes. remember that? Getting out real quick, real fast on him. Clearly identifying a guy they think that they're kind of certain on that maybe they can get a little more out of than another team or something. And saying, we like this guy, we're going to get him. Even if it does end up looking a little better or a little worse by the time the market decides what the market is. And when you look at this team right now, I think it's easy to compare it to last year and see very clearly that they're betting on the guys who are here to improve instead of going external. Uh, that involves a lot of hope. I don't love hope as a strategy. Um, I am uh, you know, maybe a natural pessimist, but I think that's important to be in baseball sometimes. But a lot would need to go right for this team to improve from last year. Now, that's not impossible. You know, I, I think we do get a bit doomsday ridiculous at this time of year. Maybe Vladdy does have a better year. Maybe Kirk does. Maybe a full year of Schneider. Maybe a lot of things. A lot of things can go right. There's a ton of talent on this roster. Ricky Tiedemann or Elvis Martinez could hit a 1,000 home runs, maybe. Like, there's a lot of ways this can go right. But I think that – I think it also gets to the misunderstanding of what the hell analytics means. You know, it's trying to increase your odds from 56 to 57%. You know, so maybe there's some ways to do that through the year, but I don't think the Blue Jays have left themselves at a better starting point. That could change totally. And maybe I look wrong about all the, the negative stuff I've written, maybe, and, and – Sure, when that happens, all right, this is the best thing that's ever, I've ever seen. But in terms of starting point, I think they're leaving themselves in a place where a lot has to go right. And another thing I've written a bit too, all of this seems to be happening with the assumption the rotation is going to do the exact same thing. Yeah. And that's really, Hard to really do. risky. You know, Bassett even got to this talking to us. He said, like, that's probably not going to happen. You know, he pointed to the depth as guys who could help that take a different shape and be just as good. But, you know, that's... You know, why I respect Bassett when he talks to us so often, because he understands the reality of baseball, you know, and he understands that those top four guys, 
whether it's luck, whether it's performance, whether it's just batted balls, you know, a Gosman Babip year will like yeah. stuff can happen. And the Blue Jays have a lot better depth. They have upside, but it's it's really right now looking like a lot has to go right. Maybe it does, but uh, I think there's a lot of ways you can still improve the team. I'm trying to be like uh, optimistic about that IKF signing. Obviously, I make the jokes that people get mad about on Twitter that he's going to be like a four-war player. But the thing about IKF is Johnny Shills. <laughs> Johnny Shills. They call me the Rogers <laughs> Shill on uh, Twitter. But the thing about IKF is that kind of pisses me off. Is is the amount of money they gave him, and it's pissing off a lot of fans. Obviously, I mean the guy's making a pretty decent amount of money. I think he's making the same as Kiermaier, right? I think he's in the ten millionth range, right? Yeah. Around, around that money. Yeah, so ten fifteen. Yeah, ten fifteen. It's just the thing about IKF is is like he ha- like. The sample size is what his career is. He's not that great of a hitter, really good defender. Do you see him being that everyday kind of third baseman role for this team? Because, I mean, Ernie Clement's playing himself. I'm not being biased. He's our guy. But he's playing himself into that role. He's looking really good defensively, really good at the plate. And that's a guy fighting for a job when you have IKF, who's proven over his entire career he's not going to provide for you offensively. Yeah, Ernie's been putting up some exit velos too. Ernie has been lifting this offseason. Like, he, he's hitting the ball. That, that triple yeah. over a Yankee Cole, was hard yeah. hit. There's been a couple of them. Yeah. Kiner Falefa, and this is where I try to separate, like, narrative from the actual play. I really like Isaiah Kiner Falefa as a player. Yeah. As a player, you know? It's – I think that if the Blue Jays had another third baseman and you move Kiner Falefa into a place where he's playing some third, some short, some second, some center, if a guy blows an ankle, he backs up catcher for – like, that's a very valuable player to have, and we've seen the Blue Jays kind of like that kind of dude. I think that makes a ton of sense. If he's playing 120 games at third base, that's not what I expected when they signed him is probably the best way to say it. You know, it's a guy who the Blue Jays clearly see something in. Uh, It's a player who they think they can get more out of. But they were early on that market. You know, we see some of these recent signings with the Rays around the league, guys coming in. That market went down pretty quick. And I know the Blue Jays have a 1,000 infield depth people. I get the tweet a 1,000 times a day. Well, trade three of them for a, a better guy. It's not MLB the show. Like yeah. other GMs have the internet. They don't want Espinal. That's the moral story. <laughs> well, like, yeah. They don't want Espinal. This is my thing that I'm aggravated about, yeah. obviously, is uh, I, c- I mean, Ernie is fighting for a spot with Santiago Espinal, who's proven throughout the last two years that he can't, he's not a good hitter. He's not a good hitter, and he can't, I mean, he's, his fielding's decreased, his base running's decreased, he's gotten slower. Um, Ernie has earned this spot on this team, and it sucks that if Ernie doesn't make the team, he's going to go somewhere else probably. I mean, obviously he's going to get picked up by another team. Do you see a world where Espinal starts the year in AAA and Ernie, Ernie makes the team? Because I know they, are, they owe Espinal a pretty decent amount yeah, of money, $3 obviously. Million. $3 million yeah. to play AAA is not a good uh, sales pitch there. Yeah, it's not good business, <laughs> but it just – as a fan, it would suck seeing Ernie, who hit 380 last year, and then Santiago Espinal, who hit like whatever it was – Make all the star, team all over. Star, though. All star in twenty twenty two. People forget that. But yeah, it's just it's <laughs> as a fan, it is aggravating. So, do you see a world where that is possible, where Ernie Clement does make the team over a Santiago Espinal? Because Eduardo Escobar is not making the team. Let's make this clear. Yeah. He's been terrible this entire spring. So, uh, do you see a world where that happens? Yeah, yeah. Forty man roster spots matter a lot, right? Like even when we look at Escobar and stuff. Yeah. Every year, I get a little too far down a wormhole on one of these guys, and I just remember like it's it's forty man spots. Yeah. You know, and uh, and you know, every year as uh, you know. MLB GMs like to remind me, you know, the the roster on opening day is not the roster for the year, et cetera, et cetera. But Ernie is putting up a good spring. And you guys are my, my Ernie experts. He hits lefties well, too, right? Yes. Like, yeah. So if you are going to – this is my thing with this whole depth group. If you're going to have depth, just having it for the sake of depth doesn't matter. They need to be able to do something well. 
So if you are Spencer Horowitz, okay, you crush righties and you can play a bit of first base. That's a thing. Yeah. If you're Ernie, you can play some shortstop along with third base, hit lefties really well, do enough against righties. That's a thing. When I look at Espinal right now, going into last year, I liked him a lot to hit lefties. That was his thing going into last year. It, it came around a bit, but not all the way. Not enough to be what I would consider a thing, a trait that really trumps other people. And yes, he can play some shortstop, but so can other people on this roster. He is someone who you would assume is good on the bases because he's a middle infielder, a smaller guy, but he's, he's not the best base runner, not the fastest base runner by any means. So Espy does have the history with the team, which I never quite know how to measure. Yeah. It'll matter a little bit. But when I look at players like Clement, guys coming up from the farm system like Damiano Palmagiani, guys like that, Palmagiani's another guy who can crush lefties, yeah. who can play a little third base, really crush lefties. You've got to have a thing if you're going to be part of a depth picture. Because if you have eight guys, something's got to make you stand out. And depth is great, but it's, it's got to have a calling card. There's got to be a reason that when someone gets hurt, out of the other seven guys, what can you add to the roster other than just a little bit of everything? A little bit of everything gets you to the wild card. Yep. That's it. And we've seen how that's gone hey. in the past oh, two. two season. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Justin Turner signing. Yeah. Everyone seemed to love it. How is he uh, in the clubhouse? And a, and a question I want to know that some people are talking about, what are the chances he actually plays third base? Yeah, I, I feel like I was more in on that when he signed, and I'm less in now. Just seeing him walk around. Yeah, Yeah. not even from seeing him too much, but just from talking to people, how that breakdown will be. Um, Turner, everyone seems to love him. Um, I got along with him day one because we're two ginger beard men. (laughs) And, you know, that's not the most common in baseball, but uh, so we're the, uh, you know, the SPF gang, I guess, at the the complex. But Turner is someone who I've loved for years as a fit for this team. I think the Blue Jays have too. Like, I think they've wanted him for a while. You hope that you're still getting the Justin Turner that you've, been trying to get um he is defying all aging curves in baseball like period and when we're talking about that you're talking about hand quickness you're talking about eyesight which is a very under discussed thing in baseball like you know how your eyesight how you're picking up on balls spin out of the hand you know these are the factors as a guy ages that just happen naturally but he's made it work man i love his swing i love the load of his swing so like just holding it here that's what keeps him good it's so simple it's so direct to the ball i love his swing but i think you see him dh majority of the time so give me man if he plays 150 games give me 100 dh 30 at first base when Vladdy needs an off day and 15 or 20 at third. Nice. Those that's, third that's base days. Yeah, third base days being ones where he can maybe crush a lefty and you really stack up on a lefty heavy team, something like that. Yeah. I, the thing about Justin Turner is I think he provides something that I truly don't. We love Brandon Belt, obviously, the cock, as we call him. <laughs> I think Brandon Belt provided last year, uh, he didn't provide in the clubhouse what this front office thought he was going to do, like as in terms of mentoring the young guys. Or just teaching the young guys how to like just be professionals. I think he didn't provide that last year. I think that that's what Justin Turner does this year. Have you seen instances where Justin Turner's worked with players at spring training so far, or talked to guys? I saw him talking to Kevin Biggio. Have you seen that? Yeah, just the other day when I was standing around doing nothing, um, which is most of what I do here. It's a lot of uh, <laughs> observing you know, while doing nothing. Dude, it, it's a job, lot of so. like average day for me. Clubhouse is open eight to nine a.m. 
9 a.m. to noon? Question mark. Really just, uh, you know, standing, like, arms folded, staring at a field, pretending to be baseball-y. Yeah. Which, let's admit it, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of bullshit. But there was one day I was watching Turner and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. They were at third base with Schneider. I think Donnie Baseball was there. But Zinsky might have been there, too. And they went for 20 or 30 minutes talking about foot and body position at third base on a throw from center field on a play. And it was just the most detailed, like, earnest, thoughtful conversation about if I'm doing this, this happens. If I'm doing this, this happens. Like, he's so engaged. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird example, but I looked at that and I thought, like, this guy really gives a shit. And, of course, everyone does. You know, everyone's trying to win. But it was a small detail that I would never think about. I even stood there thinking, does this matter enough to write us? No. This doesn't matter <laughs> enough to write about. It was so small, but I just saw a guy who really cared. And he's a guy who I think has endeared himself to the clubhouse. You know, like we heard Bo making a call for the team to pretty much sign him, uh, which I love from Bo. I, I'd love to see more of that from Bo. I think yeah. he gets it. But you're seeing players gravitate towards him because not only has he been good, but he's been good for a long time. Players see and respect a guy who's been good for a long time. If you're good for a long time, you get paid for a long time. You want to be that. And I like that addition a lot, a lot, a lot, you know, for this team. Makes a ton of sense, especially if he can be like an 800 OPS guy, do enough, play a little third, little first, uh, big clubhouse guy. I do like that a lot. Um, when, when teams sign a guy, I typically get five texts from other reporters. A lot of the times, it's shit-talking a guy. Yeah. Being like, oh, enjoy this, you know? Which, which you know, maybe, maybe that's fun. There's, there's fun to having some spice around. But uh, with Justin Turner, I got a few texts saying, like, you're going to like this guy. Thoughtful guy. You're going to like having him around. And that's uh, – we are a, uh, a pessimistic bunch. So uh, when reporters are talking positively about you, I guess that's a, uh, a good place to be. Who is your bounce-back candidate of this season? Yeah, you can only pick one guy because – Last year was tough for everyone who seemed to... Well, we need five bounce backs. We, the, for the team to be very good, you need five <laughs> bounce backs. But you put your life on the line for one guy you think is going to bounce back. Life on the line. Well, we should probably find something I value more. Um, <laughs> I mean, let, let, let's look through the candidates here now that I'm racking my brain. Vladdy's too popular a pick. Varsho might be one. Who else is coming off like Kirk, the down-down Kirk. years? Kirky. I like Jano too much to give Kirky a ton of, like to give him 120, 130 games. Okay. I, I, I really like Chano this year. It might be Varsho, man, because I don't think he needs to do a ton more at the plate, really. Um, I would have loved to see him in center field this year. I say that while also loving Kiermaier in center. Yeah. You know, there's kind of two realities I'm talking about here. Varsho is a person I believe in, not just because he's a Packers fan. <laughs> he has a brain in his head. But – He's a dude who really, really cares. Like, I've been around guys who have had bad years and just been assholes about it. Yep. Varsho really ca- – it reminds me a lot of Berrios and Kikuchi when they had their down years. Like, they kind of wore it. They really – it mattered to them. It got You Say Cares going last you year. You Say yeah. Cares. We forgot about that. <laughs> we really King did. started that. <laughs> now he's got a swagger back. Yeah. But Dalton is a guy who, like, you can see the pieces. If he was just hacking and being terrible, yeah, whatever. But – He's one of the best defensive outfielders in baseball and a great base runner. Fantastic baseline. Needs to do a bit more offensively, obviously. Yeah. More than a bit. But you've seen the power there when he has that power stroke. Needs to catch those fastballs a lot more. There's obvious holes there that he's working on. But if he's a guy that can get on base a bit more, 
Like, he was supposed to be the entire identity of this team. Not the face of it, but, like, he was supposed to represent aggressive, base running, more defense. Like, he was, you know, when you trade Gabby Moreno, you're like, you're trying to get back a guy who's going to set your identity. I really like him to move in a better direction this year. It doesn't have to be Ken Griffey. But if he adds a bit more offense, he can easily be that guy who's a four-win player. Like, it might not look like a dominant four wins because we look at offense – but if he does a bit more, you can get that three and a half, four wins out of a guy like that. And ideally you do, man, because that was a, a big price. Do you think uh, his production with Kevin Kiermaier can just swap from last Hopefully season? more home runs. But Hopefully more yeah. home runs, but like yeah. looking, at, looking <laughs> yeah. at way to runs create a plus type thing. Because I yeah. think that's an, a popular thing. They'll just switch how productive totally. they are. At and and Kiermaier is a good example of, again, not trashing a guy at all. I like Kevin a lot. I like him as a player a lot. It is... Kiermaier's a guy who 10, 20 years from now, I'm going to look back and be like, I covered one of the best defenders of an era yeah. of baseball, period. But he hit a million against fastballs last year. And we talk about Matty Chapman a lot, but look after April and May last year, Kiermaier's numbers were a lot different. We didn't talk about that much. When I say we, I'm talking about you know me who writes this crap. <laughs> but it's something I should have paid more attention to and didn't quite gather at the time. So you've got to account for maybe the fact that Kiermaier might not have a career year offensively. He's still going to do enough to be a very good player on your team. But Varsho is one of the guys that needs to pick up for that. Now, you can add in, of course, Vladdy and Kirky and a lot of these guys. But Varsho's potential is just so enticing. Like, there's, there's, there's so much talent there. There's a level of give-a-shit there that I respect so much. Um, the players love him. He's like the whole locker room's little brother. But, like, in a way where they respect him as an equal, of course. But, like, you know, not talking down to him, but the guys care about him that much, you know, and I, I really think that matters. I think they're cheering for him. They want him to do it, but uh, I hope to see it happen, too. You know, he's a guy who deserves to have it happen for him because he, he's really putting it in and trying. But I think back to last year, one more thing on, on, on Dalton. It was spring training, and a couple of times I talked to him, I'd be like, you know, Dalton, how do you feel about your swing? And he'd say, well, I'm working on my shoulders right now, connecting to the hips, the upper body, to the lower body, my feet, my plant. And I'd say, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a lot of swing thoughts. Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) That's not going to work. Yeah. You know, so the – I think if there's anything I learn year to year in this job, and it's not much, but anything I appreciate more, it's the fact that if you're making adjustments going into the season, you're toast. Like, you are going to lose because you're facing Garrett Cole and Aaron Judge tomorrow, right? Like, if you're trying to make an adjustment while they're playing their game, you're toast. So I think going into this year a little more normal, just from a baseline, more normal, more comfortable is very good. And uh, speaking about Vladdy, obviously, we saw it yesterday, which pissed me off. Uh, (laughs) Middle, middle fastball, he hits into a double play. It's a a tale as old as time. Do you guys as writers just – obviously, you were a Jays fan before this. Do you guys as writers see that stuff and go, like, what the fuck, man? Like, how, like, how is this possible year in, year out, the, the rolling over on double play balls down the middle? Obviously, he, his, his, his advanced numbers are off the charts. The, the hard hit ball rate, he, the he barrel. He smokes percentage. the balls into he the ground. He smokes the balls into the ground. <laughs> yeah. Does it not mind boggle you seeing the advanced analytics and seeing how poor he was last year? I mean, he was a one-war yeah. player. One-war player last year, which is like yeah. a replacement-level type of player, right? It's, I can only write the same story so many times, you know, where there's a certain point where if the analytics are saying, saying one thing, and again, this is where you listen to analytics, they matter. And analytics are not some nerd in a laboratory. They're just trying to give you a little better chance of winning or understanding a guy, just a little better. 
And if it's April and May and the guy's numbers suck, but his analytics are great, I say, cool, this is going to come around. But when it's June, uh, when it's July, <laughs> when it's August and September, you got to start listening to reality. Yeah. And I think I moved away from that earlier than some folks last year. I, I, I got tired of that narrative, frankly, very tired of it, that it's going to come around. The exit velos are there. This is there. Well, great. They count what's on the scoreboard yeah. eventually. At the end of the day, they're going to count who scored the most runs. Home runs are going to help you do that. So the numbers were absolutely there. The exit velocities. With Vladdy, it's so much about launch angle. But even that was okay last year. It just didn't make a ton of sense. So some of it is crap luck. Yeah, for sure. But a lot of it is that last year, maybe the best way to say it, is that last year I saw Vladdy participating in at-bats that the pitchers were deciding. Yes. Go back to the minor leagues. And I, I, I'll, if I have this job for 40 years, I will never in my life see something like Vladdy in the minor leagues. I really don't think I ever will. Vladdy was determining what happened in at-bats. And it was baffling to see. That was kind of still happening in 2021. You could see these moments where he'd come up and you just thought, he's going to do something right now. Like, this is going to happen. This is predetermined. Last year, he was the one making the second move almost every time. And you saw, you know, you can close your eyes and picture this, 50 of them, low slider away, one-handed finish that he didn't come within a few feet of. That's not Vladdy at all. So he's a guy who needs to get back to that. And I think that if this whole idea of fewer voices, less confusion, sorry, yeah, less confusion works, I think Vladdy's the guy who can benefit from it most. Because I think Vladdy's the one guy who can just roll in at 655 wearing flip-flops and go three for four. I think there were a lot of voices in his ear last year. There were hitting coaches and guys here, of course. And there's one day where his uncle's down on the field watching him take BP. And it's the more the worse. You know, a guy that talented, that gifted, he can roll out of bed and hit it 450 feet. But if he starts thinking about hitting it 460 – Suddenly, it's only going 300. There was too much going on there for Vladdy. And it's time to get back to that. I mean, clock's ticking. Money is on the table. It's big time. Well, another thing about Vladdy is is, uh, they've changed things up this year. Obviously, there's an offensive coordinator, which, again, I still don't know what the fuck that means. Maybe you can kind of help us out on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What the fuck is an offensive coordinator? Like, <laughs> we, uh, we want him wearing the like, headset. I, I want him like wearing the offensive coordinator headset they wear in the NFL. <laughs> it's just like, what the f- like, what is it doing? Like, what have you seen so far in spring? Like, is Don Mattingly specifically being the heading coach? Like, is Guillermo like a cuck? No disrespect. Is he just like, <laughs> is he just there in the cuck chair? Like, what's the difference here with like just the offensive coordinator? Then you have Matt Hag, you have Guillermo. You just like, there's more voices yeah. than in the head. I think the like office space, that yes. guy where he's like, I'm coordinating the offense. You know? <laughs> Um, I didn't know what it meant. I had no clue. I yeah. couldn't figure it out. So it's that was a thing I had to figure out. Um, the best way that we had it described was, for, and this is a, a rare sentence for me to say, but the clearest way we had it described to us was from Ross Atkins, um, which it, it surprises me as the words are leaving my mouth, honestly. It, <laughs> yeah, he's very reserved. But that last year... Dave Hudgens was in charge of... Tweeting. Call it... (laughs) Yeah, a lot of that. But also strategy, they'd call it. So everything involved in the offense that maybe wasn't swinging a baseball bat. Guillermo was in charge of... or Sorry, the fundamentals, mechanics, so the swinging of a baseball bat, what you're looking for. And that was at least two voices 
if there's two, there's probably three or four. Now it's all through Donnie Baseball. The Bearded Wonder, may I note. Looks incredible. Man, he does look looks fantastic. incredible. Looks incredible. Fantastic. Like, <laughs> like, I have something to aspire to. Now it all comes through Don Mattingly. So ideally there are people above Don Mattingly. And the further I get into this job, the more I think of baseball teams like companies. A manager is a v- manager. Like he's not a coach. He's an actual manager of people who answers to middle managers who answer to upper management. It's not the most romantic way to look at it, but it's what I've learned is true. So Mattingly ideally will have a few people answering to him, sending him the message, and he's the guy who simplifies it. And I think Don Mattingly might have one of the most important jobs on this team, frankly, because Vladdy wants different information than Bo, than Justin Turner, than all of these guys. One guy might say, give me everything. One guy might say, don't talk to me if I'm on a cold streak or a hot streak. One guy might say, I want visuals. I want graphs. I want video. Another guy might need it in his own language, in his own words. So it's up to Don Mattingly to figure out who wants what, who cares about what, what the right time is to approach a guy, you know, like that's half my job. You know, if, if a guy's over 27, I'm not going to walk up to him with a bullshit story about a softball tournament or some stuff, right? You need to pick your moments and pick your times. So Don Mattingly's job is to take all of that noise above him. And frankly, I think a veteran guy is an actual good fit for this. Before, I would have thought like a younger guy who understands all the language and metrics, but a guy who's going to put it in simpler words. And if you're only getting one voice, it's got to carry some weight. So if it's a guy from the analytics department who you've never seen, uh, maybe not. If it's Don Mattingly, maybe you're going to listen to the dude. You know, like a lot of these guys grew up with parents who were big Don Mattingly fans. or They've idolized this guy, right? So it makes a little more sense to me now. We'll see how it goes. There's there's a lot of titles. DeMarlo Hale, associate manager. There's a lot going on in there, but... Uh, we'll see. I need to get one of these long job titles. You know, reporter's not working for you can, me. You can make your own job title, though. That's the, that's <laughs> I mean, the fun that's thing. The Nobody's going to question it. Uh, so last year, we did a prediction thing. Yeah. It was, I said Nate Pearson was going to get 10 saves. He got one. He got one. There. <laughs> I was about as close on mine. Almost there. That, that's what I wanted to talk Man. about. You said, what, do you remember? What I said it, that Bo was going to be a 30-30 guy. Okay. And Which, then I, honestly. But like, then we go, we go yesterday. Yeah. First inning, stolen base. Yep. Third inning. Um, they hit in. They hit a base hit. I think, but he was stealing. I'm ahead second of again. I think. I think you're. I think you're. <laughs> I think you're early. Really early. I, I do want to run that. How back. does Bo look? Like obviously Dude. trimmed down. Yeah. What is he saying about his spring? What he yeah. like? It's like, running he's more. Cut. Like he is in shape, shape, shape. Um, and that matters to me because you you can tell that he's in great core shape. And he started doing Pilates swimming, Mai Tai, a lot of these things, which if anyone else said that, I'd be like, dude, just like, just work out. Just yeah. stop. Get in the gym. But think of Bo's swing. It's all about rotational movement, core strength, and being able to adjust. It's about him picking up his leg, but then seeing a different pitch and adjusting his core and his body. So core control and body control, I think, matters to Bo almost as much as any hitter in all of baseball. So having that core strength, that back strength, shoulder strength, I think really matters to someone like Bichette. He looks as good as I've ever seen him, period. And it's not really close. And if he can be out there for every game, like, I have so much respect for Bo. So much. Because I see the ridiculous, mind-numbing amount of ground balls this guy takes. And 
all of the work he puts in. And it's, it's very much like you can see that he followed Marcus Semyon and he's doing all the same shit, which is a great way to build yeah, a pretty, career pretty that's, good player. that's on a pretty amazing trajectory to you know some of those milestone hit totals. Bo is a guy who shocked me by not running a lot last year. I really thought that was going to happen because not only is he fast, he picks his places pretty good, you know, but maybe that's the, you know, this is the year he does that. But Bo's the face of the franchise for me. Like, he, he is the voice of this team. When he talks, I think everyone listens. Where he goes, this team goes, I think. Uh, and you're seeing him kind of grow into that confidence a bit more, like knowing that even though he's young, that these guys trust him to be that. Do you think him slimming down a little bit was him kind of saying, I'm okay with not hitting a ton of home runs if I'm a guy yeah. who's going to hit 310 all the time? Yeah, it could be. Like, it, he gets so much out of his body. And he even had that double in the opener. I think it was 112 exit velo. I think that was the number six or seven that he would have had in his career the other day. He's probably a little too line drivey to hit 40. You know, it's a lot of line drives. But especially hitting where he is in the lineup, and ideally the Blue Jays have more power around him. Like, I've, I've not bought this whole thing last year where there's enough power. There's not. Yeah. Like, they need to be hitting for more power with the bats they have. But – Bo is the guy who can make all that work. Like, he can hit 300 every year. Easy, I think. And not going to be the hugest on-base guy. Like, he can be the guy who can have, you know, five walks and six strikeouts a year. Like, it's just all swinging. It's yeah. all putting balls in play. But the more he's putting balls in play, the better, because everything's pretty hard. It's not Giancarlo Stanton, you know, the levels of 120 miles an hour, but it's pretty consistently all hard. He's not hitting a lot of dribblers out there, so... I like Bo to have a big year. I liked it last year. I think this year he runs more. But if he plays every game, like I think he's a guy that can get MVP votes. He's that good. And I think he can do that for a lot of years. Yeah, sm definitely smart enough to steal bases too. So that, yeah. I was interested that that didn't happen. Though. Yeah, he, he picks it like, like Biggio. Not a fast guy, but he is out of this world picking his spots. Like Bo can be that. So I, it's, I'm not sure why we didn't see much of that last year. I, like, that shocked me. I didn't even think it was that hot of a take. No. <laughs> and I was way off. But I, I think we see it this year more. And speaking about the yeah, – you were talking about your, uh, Giancarlo Stanton. Do you look, obviously, from the outside and look at the, that Yankees team we saw two days ago. Juan Soto was hit a home run every single time he's yeah. seen a live pitch. Uh, do you look at that team and just say, like, is, are, are those your easy favorites to win this division? Like, do you think it's kind of just them? <sighs> yeah, because they're really good and I think their pride's hurt. Yeah. And when the Yankees' pride is hurt, that's extremely dangerous. Yeah. Because every once in a while, it's really good to make an emotional decision. You know, like any of my friends would, you know, disagree with me probably. I'm, <laughs> you know, watching my life. But you, every once in a while, you got to get outside of the numbers and the budgets and just say, fuck it, let's do this. Let's go in on this guy. Somehow, Juan Soto was like not even a story this offseason because it was in the Otani madness, yeah. right? Yeah. Everything was Otani. Like, we don't even talk about the Blue Jays, quote, missing. On Soto. That's huge. This guy is a top five player. An unbelievable hitter. Yeah. And now he's a Yankee. Are they that sucks. It's not good <laughs> no. at all. It's it's probably the worst thing that happened this offseason outside of Shohei Otani yeah. for the Blue Jays. And I'm a, as the listeners know, I'm a fuck prospects guy, so I'm not a big prospects guy. I would have traded every single prospect <laughs> that's ever lived for, the, for Juan Soto. It's just crazy that the Jays couldn't have matched that. I mean... Obviously, it wasn't not, a huge package. We're not throwing a Ricky T in there, obviously. But, I mean, the Jays got some pretty decent prospects. Speaking of one of the prospects I did want to talk about was a guy we say Roadhead. 
uh, Road, Roadhead's out there. Alan Roden. Alan Roden. Where's, <laughs> where are you at with him? Because obviously that guy brings a lot of pop to a lineup. Really nice swing. Uh, is de- is there a spot for him? Obviously, maybe in September, or do you think he yeah. makes that call up a little bit earlier if something happens? Yeah, man, he, he's legit. He is our number seven prospect on MLB Pipeline, releasing tomorrow. Company man. There you go. Um, <laughs> but Alan Roden is a. I mean, like I, I see this guy in the clubhouse. I think he's eighteen. Like he, he's a he's a baby face, but he is someone who the player development people love this dude because he is like. Team first. I love walks. I don't want the credit. Like, 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 he is the guy that coaches will love. Alan Roden. I love an on base guy. That's why you know I, I love a Horowitz, a Roden, those types of prospects. But same deal with both of them. You got to hit for power. So last year, Roden's stance was wild. Like I wrote a story the other day. I said it's like he was trying to screw in a light bulb. The he, hands. Were he was up crazy. here. Legit. All the, like almost straight arms yeah. up here. Now he's down more to eye chin level, right here. And the point of that is that, you know, you don't have to cover as much distance to get into your body. So he's trying to get a little more into his full body. But he's built. Man, I don't want, know what the measurements are. Public, like prospect measurements. You know, Vladdy was 6'1", 180 for a lot of years. Like, they don't, they don't mean much. <laughs> Roden is really, like, muscular, a built guy. He has enough body to make this work. It's just about getting his actual swing into that position over and over. He doesn't need to do a ton. If he can just hit 15, 18 home runs and hit righties a bit better than lefties, cool. He is good enough, I think, in a corner outfield. And frankly, I think he's closer than a lot of people see because the Blue Jays' outfield depth right now is Nathan Lucas. That's one guy. Yes, there's Biggio, there's Kiner Fleff, there's 40 guys who can play the outfield. But I don't think that's going to be your backup plan if someone gets hurt. This is also a roster with George Springer and Kevin Kiermeyer. We live in reality here, you know? Notorious hurt, guys. At some point this year, the Blue Jays are going to need an outfielder for 30 games. Lucas, yeah, you can do that quickly. Are you going to keep patching it together with utility-ish guys out there? Roden, if he starts good in AAA, like, he is legit a guy that could be up this year. Like, I, I really like him as a prospect, a guy who can be someone this year. There just needs to be a bit more power because when you get to the big leagues, that walk rate, like we see with Horowitz, you need to scare pitchers just a bit. Yeah. You don't need to terrify them, but you just need to put a little thought in their mind of, if I throw this aggressive first strike just to get ahead, maybe he's going to jump on me. You know, Lucas just needs to or – sorry, uh, Alan Roden needs to just put that thought in people's minds that if they try to throw a heater, oh, oh, to get ahead for a freebie, it it's what Kevin seat. Biggio dealt with as a prospect coming up. A lot of pitchers just saw he wasn't going to swing early. And Biggio kind of made that adjustment, but you need to put that fear into their head that you might just bust them if they try to come at you quickly. Yep, I like that. Real good one there. Uh, final one for me, Daniel Vogelbach. <laughs> the GOAT. Is, is the he, GOAT. Daddy Burgers. He seems like Dude. he has a clear path to be on the opening day uh, roster. Is That, that how ball d- he hit off Garrett Cole. Are you fucking <laughs> kidding me? That was over our head. That was, we were literally in <laughs> right field. I thought it was yeah. foul. It was just, it was out of the stadium. It was amazing. Like, spring training is, you know, it's, it's not exactly the glory days of my year, let's be honest. And it's moments like that that make it all worth it, you know? Like, <laughs> Put a smile on your face. It'll be, like, late August this year. I'll be sitting in Baltimore or some city I have no interest being in. And I'll think back, and I'll look around. You know what? Danny Burgers took Garrett Cole deep as shit. <laughs> it ruined his day. This year. He absolutely did. He made Garrett Cole think about him later that evening. 
that's an accomplishment. But like Vogelbach, I mean, I am a man who appreciates good DH. Let's be real. But it's kind of between him and a Spencer Horwitz type. Horwitz is more of a bat than people give him credit for because he can hit righties really well. Not much against lefties. So we're, we're seeing some overlap. It's, I guess it's a question of if the Blue Jays need a guy to even own a baseball glove. Yeah. You know, like Dan Vogelback can be on this team, not even have a glove. Forever. Not even take one on the airplane, right? If you need a guy that can maybe be like a little bit backup, like a Spencer Horwitz type, and yeah. the organization really does like Horwitz, and they should, but this is also an organization that needs upside, frankly, like on offense. There's enough talent there. Like, look at the names. There's more than enough talent. Yep. And when I look at this team, like, I consider it pretty similar to last year. 89 wins, if you, like, if you needed a total, sure. They need upside. Right now, that's, you know, maybe you get shreds of it from a Vladdy, a Kirky. Maybe you cash in on a real slot machine situation with an Aurelvis Martinez. We'll see. But if you're going to try to maximize the offense, you need to start playing some sort of platoons, some matchups. And if the Jays are going to go, go with all of this depth, all of these guys kind of patched together, why not Dan Vogelbach? Man, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if I'd project him on the roster right now on uh, the 3rd of March, but he's more realistic than I thought when they signed him. Yeah. When they signed him, I was more like, ah, what, you know, I'll, I'll write this release on March 26th. Easy. You know, I don't think he's a guy that would go to AAA. But you start to see why, you know, and – if you're going to be a platoon guy, hitting righties is better than hitting lefties. For sure. He does that, man. And you're going to face Garrett Cole how many times this year? So it's – uh, April 15th. It's interesting. Made, uh, that was not clear. the beef I was expecting this spring. You know? it, I loved it. it I, Garrett Cole's a fucking crybaby. It's baby. not quite the uh, Audi <laughs> sign, but it's uh, like you know, Vogelbach v. Cole. That's just yeah. special. Special. Yeah, it is special. I love So it. I got two things. The first thing, yeah. have you thought about just – obviously the most obvious thing is Kevin Gossman starting opening day. Have you started about being the first one to break that? Because listen, I mean, that's who, who. I mean, maybe Bassett, Bria, but have you thought about just saying breaking Kevin Gossman starting opening day for the Blue Jays and just kind of just taking a flyer on that? Just throwing one out there, you know, journalistic ethics <laughs> to the easy. win. Well, maybe you know that's something that's we, like we should we, do. We should do that. Yes, but do I don't it. want to jinx it that he gets injured. You know, that is uh, the problem. Yeah. yeah, throwing shit to the wind and hoping you're right's a yeah. big thing in the biz these days. So yeah. it's uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, we as should, much we should, as I despise we, the scoops game. I think I'd be pretty safe. I love the scoops. That's like that minus 5,000 bet. You yeah. Know? We it's, should say Kevin Gosman starting opening day if healthy. If healthy. If per healthy. sources, if healthy. And the second question <laughs> is obviously I want to end with this is the Alec Manoa stuff, man. I mean, mm, uh, we haven't talked yeah. about that yet, this pod. Uh, that first start was – that was tough. Yeah. Uh, he hits literally every battery faces pretty much and then uh, <laughs> gives up hard hit contact. And then, not, hurt, and then hurt. And then gets hurt. Where are you at with the Alec Manoa stuff? Obviously came into, came into camp. Very skinny compared uh, to what he was. Sorry, compared to what yeah. he was, compared to what he was. Uh, Bassett's his throwing partner. We obviously text Bassett a lot, and he said the ball looks different out of his hand. He looks good. Where? What have you seen from Alec Manoa watching the bullpens, watching the mindset? He could say whatever, obviously, about last year. But what have you seen so far from him? Obviously, he's injured now. but I think the games matter, man. And if you're Kevin Gosman, they don't. Kevin Gosman could hit Same 45 Bassett. people. Yeah. Bassett could hit yeah. 45 people. I don't care. Um, like Bassett's a guy who I really respect listening to talk about spring training. And I've learned a lot, like just listening to him, what he cares about, um, what he's looking for in terms of feel, the finishing position on like change up curveballs. It makes a lot of sense. And, and, but when you're Alec Manoa, 
it's kind of back towards that prospect situation yeah. where you've got to prove it. And early off in camp, I liked everything we saw. He looked better. The hair and the beard were better shaping his Makes face. Makes him skinny. Makes him look does. skinny. I'm a big man. Like, this is not here to hide a good chin, dude. Like, this is not hiding, like, a chiseled jawline. Not a jaw good jawline. No. Yeah. I've got a round face. You grow a beard. It's makeup. He looked great. He did everything he should have done. And his teammates were saying that he did everything he should have done. Yeah. Last year, they weren't saying the opposite, but I think you could read between some lines that didn't even exist. He looked great to start camp. Then you see him on the mound, and he's throwing sliders off helmets. That was fucking you, crazy. You need to see a bit more. It, it's tough because the other guys in the rotation really believe in him, which is something that I trust more than my own opinion. You know, it, it's, it's important to find these moments where I say, that guy's smarter than me. I'll take that opinion over mine. But you need to see it in reality. Like You need to actually see it happen. And Alec was happy with his velocity. A lot of dudes throw 94. Yeah. A lot of dudes throw 95. You've got to do something with it. And now that he's dealing with that shoulder issue, um, I will live request one, sure. But uh, <laughs> sure. But uh, now that he's dealing with that shoulder issue, this is another thing that I've kind of learned over a lot of spring trainings. And even uh, Buck and I were talking about this yesterday. And Buck is the man. He has a, the best feel for these things. Thank you very much. Buck, you know, looking at how these spring training ramp-ups go and looking at Alec right now, when I see him, I see kind of what's going on with Tiedemann, but like a week later, which is the danger zone. When I see Manoa trying to build back up, even if a week from now he's back on the mound, is that enough? Or does that Two still weeks look... Out, yeah. But he, he yeah. was throwing, seemed like full-on go from yes. what seemed like January, whoa, whoa. Right? which is so different yeah. than some other guys. Well, Bassett didn't throw off a mound exactly. until he threw his first bullpen. Yeah. <laughs> Bassett was which slinging is, some yeah. 67s yeah, the other give day. A I fuck. loved it. I he doesn't it. give a fuck. But Manoa <laughs> now, like, if, if he's in a game... 10 days from now, which even that's kind of pushing it because he'll have to be healthy, throw a bullpen, maybe a side. We'll see. That still probably looks like a IL start. Yeah. And you can really, if you're the organization, you can use that IL start to go into a minor league start that's called a rehab stint. In that situation, that probably means Bowden Francis. You've got the depth there. Bowden should be the fifth guy right now. He's earned it. I don't think he, Bowden needs to be on this roster, period. Yeah, I don't think he's giving up a run this like. Break. It's, um, you know, don't look at my roster projection that went out two hours before the Manoa news, uh, but uh, <laughs> it's Bowden needs to be on this roster, period, whether he's Alex so is healthy good. or not. He, he's really underrated. Yeah, he's really and I, I think people are about to wake up to it. Yeah, I'm but not, he's going to get some great media training, too, and he's going to be fun. Well, he's going yeah. to come here in a couple of days and uh, have out a party well, Bowden on is? Tuesday, uh, Tuesday. That's going to be good. Yeah, he, That's going to be yeah. way better than this. The, 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 yeah. <laughs> Well, another guy also, man. I mean, I, I I'm turning into an Espino guy. I mean, Espino's fucking shoving. No, in the so like, who is this fucking? Man. I don't know who he is. Okay, so around around camp, like, I'll always like a question I love to ask people is just like, yo, like whether it's data guys, pitching coaches, and I try not to be too like like preying on everything to be a story. Like, I, I hate that. Not everything needs to be content. I hate the word content, but like, it's. I'll ask them, I'm like, listen, this isn't going to be a story, but, like, who's the guy that, like, I should probably talk about more? And Chad Dallas, I get a lot. Um, 
a couple of people have told me Ricky Tiedemann, which is hilarious. <laughs> like um, you haven't heard of him before. Yeah, dude, yeah. Dude, like, dude, like however much you're writing about Ricky T, write double. Um, once or twice, people have brought up Palo Espino to me. <laughs> and they say, they say, like, dude, like, it's probably like not going to, you know, be a real thing. But when people say this dude spins it, holy shit. Yeah. Like his curveball spin rate. Like he's getting like 3,100, 3,200. Like, and Holy I, you know, shit. I hate, you know, like fire hosing people with numbers that they don't know just so I can sound smart. Like that's not the, you know, that's how too many people do the job, but it's, it's crazy. Like the spin he's putting on these breaking balls. He is the ultimate, like quad A curveball machine. Yeah. I would love to see him get a few winnings in the big leagues this year. Like if he were to start in Buffalo, like if he would take that assignment, I think would be really cool. And by all accounts, I've had about 10 people say this to me, the best dude. That's awesome. The absolute best dude. And if you are, you know, he's 37 now. You know, a, a lot of that when you're getting gigs at le- that late in the game relies on being a good clubhouse dude who's going to come in and accept what? The drive today down to Fort Myers. Not a lot of 37-year-old guys with MLB experience are on the bus to Fort Myers. Yeah. I'm 33 and I can't play baseball. And I did not drive to Fort Myers <laughs> today. You know, I, I hung back at the we're, complex. We're 26, and we didn't even think about no, going to Fort Myers. No today. chance. It's like a three-hour <laughs> bus ride back in traffic. So I've heard a surprisingly good amount of things about Palo Espino. Probably not a big factor, but one of those little feel-good things. That's fun. That's fun spring. I am it's nothing a, if not a man who a looks dark for horse. Uh, dark know, horse. But anyways, sunny linings. This is the last thing. If you could predict, obviously, yeah. though, the win totals are like 89 and a half, whatever. 86 and a half. 86 and a half, sorry. Do you think this team outperforms? Like, last year was an outlier. I mean, this offense has been good the last three years, except last year, obviously. Do you think this team gets to that 90 win threshold this year? It's at 86 and a half? Yeah. yeah. I'd take that over. Yeah. If I was a betting man, which yeah. I am, and it's the worst part about being in Florida. <laughs> uh, I'm just watching NBA games for fun. Yeah. I'm just No go- one does that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm running like I'm running odds in my head like you know, it's fourth quarter of a West Coast game. I'm like, "Oh, that's the 240th point." Like it's, it's Yeah, this, it's, the Spurs shouldn't have gone over yeah. tonight. There's a lot of things I can't get in Florida and I hate it. But uh it's I would take the over on that win total, definitely. I think they are that 89-90 to win team. And I think that's okay. You know, if no matter what the Blue Jays do this year, I think that they get to the postseason, whether it's 100 wins or 86 wins slipping in the back door. And I think that on October 2nd, we are saying prove it. You know, that's they have gotten the identity of a team that gets to the postseason and falls short. 0-2, and 0-2. Leafs Three mode. of the last four years. Yeah. yeah. And whether that's fair or not, so much Sorry, of guys. this is up to luck and chance and bounces and who slept well and who had a good day that day. It's so tough in the postseason. We make way more of the results than are actually there, but it's the postseason. It's all that matters. So regardless of how the Blue Jays get there, it's all about that postseason. Whether they win a 1,000 games, it's still prove it at that point. I like them to be that 89-90 win team. I would bang that over on 86.5, absolutely. I think the uh, when Bo said it the other day, they're being doubted this year. 99 times out of 100, when I hear that, I just think, stop. You know, because <laughs> it's true, like, yeah. you hear it from like the 49ers in the Super Bowl. You know, yes. No one thought we'd be here. <laughs> Shut yeah. up. Yeah. You hear it from LeBron in the final. Shut yeah, up. Yeah. We all thought you'd be here, okay? <laughs> but 
I again, Bo being a guy I respect so much, I think he's really onto it. Like this is the year, the last few years, they've been favorites, favorites, yeah. and they're the sexy pick among like U.S. media to come up and. You know, I have a bit of a you know a, a finger on Canadian media and the projections, but you see it from Fox, from ESPN, from MLB Network, that the Blue Jays are always that sexy pick because they've got the talent, right? And now no one's picking them, and this is one of the rare situations where even I, who hates the athlete speak catchphrase Instagrammy stuff, believe it. Like I really think there's value to that, and I think they will use that because kind of the the fun, cheery, happy-to-be-here years are over. Yeah. I think they should have been over for a while, but I think they're definitely over now. Yeah, I mean, I look at 2021, man. It's just the team that got away. That team was... Yeah, that is... Like, fuck Tyler Chatwood and fuck I, Brad Hand, if you're watching this. <laughs> fuck both of you. you think Talking Brad, to names you think that Brad I, Hand might When I hear it? those names, I'm thinking, like, that was a real year in my life. I got PTSD watching that. That was the greatest yeah. you've ever seen. But when you look back at like, that team, yeah. 10 years from now, I'll be writing, like, Imagine taking that 2021 lineup and combining Simeon, it with man. the 2023 rotation, which might be the best rotation I ever cover. Oh, my God. Like, dude. Bassett going 200 and doing what he did was amazing. After the worst start anyone's ever had. Yeah, oh. uh, St. Louis like, was bad. Turn that into just an average start. I remember watching that start in St. Louis thinking, oh, my God. Because that's back when we were talking about uh, Chris calling his own pitches, yeah. how that was all going to work. And I remember thinking, like, oh, my, they, what, what's going on here? It seemed like, you know, the Cardinals had an earpiece in that start. <laughs> yeah, they did. But watching him was so impressive. I had, you know, I already had a lot of respect for 200 inning guys, but watching him and what it meant to him, even more now. But Gosman, Barrios, Barrios, who I love. Oh, he's so good. Kikuchi. Barrios is built like a middle linebacker, dude. Yeah. He is unbelievable, but Kikuchi, I'll never cover a rotation that good, maybe. Combine that with that 2021 lineup with Semyon hitting 40-plus, Vladdy being an MVP. That is uh, the ultimate loss season, I think, man, oh. really, the pitching that season. PTSD, man. Not well, even terrible numbers, but just, like, a few games given away. It just a few of them. one away. I remember I, – so we were at the Rogers Center. I was at that game. It was Orioles-Jays game oh, 162, oh. and that was the Devers home run to Did center. you stay in the stadium Yeah, we stayed that? in the stadium, watched the game, and just everyone My was God. just like, I remember I had flights booked to – four different cities and I had my suitcase behind me and I remember putting an earbud in one ear calling our travel agent because the flights were for that night saying and I was typing my story while I'm saying cancel Baltimore cancel Boston cancel the that was wild that was one of the craziest that was nights. hell I hope that never happens again but uh anyway, <laughs> anyways man first ever in-person pod thanks wow. Keith. first ever in-person pod hopefully the recording went well I mean if you're watching this it means we it go. went well we have no <laughs> idea know if it went well we have no idea if the recording went well we can but, see uh, we can see the levels they look we can see the levels good. they look pretty good the levels look good let me tell you too you know because let me pull back the curtain the setup here is much more impressive Number one, because behind me, there's already more pillows than in Johnny's bedroom. Yeah. There's three of no, them. No, we look great. All right. Listen, shout out Sports Interaction for the house. Uh, <laughs> Keegan Matheson, man, MLB.com, first ever in-person pod. Love it. Uh, it's a great, it's a great, we call it a cherry pop. This is the pop and the cherry <laughs> of the in-person podcast. But Keegan, it's, uh, it was a pleasure, man. Obviously, all of our listeners love you. I'm, like We get texts all the time, people coming up to you at games okay. telling you they loved you on Gate 14. So uh, we love you. We, we love you. You're our guy. And uh, we, are, we appreciate what you do for the Toronto Blue Jays, man. So keep doing your thing. And uh, uh, let's have ourselves a 2024, man. Let's cover a World Series team. Why, the why, fuck not, not? why not us? Let's go on a float. <laughs> <laughs>